Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Tim, how's it going? Hey, David, it's going pretty good. You know, my body is uh, feeling the the wear and tear of this new 75 hard program I'm on, two-a-day workouts, but uh, it's, you know, it's feeling pretty good. Hopefully I can stick to it. I'm, 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 do, I'm pretty low, to be honest. I was reflecting Are yesterday. You? This lockdown has actually, like, it's taken me a while, but I'm finally feeling it, I think. I'm mm. finally feeling that I can't do anything. I'm locked in a cage, like... Best I can go walk around the park for a couple hours or something. Um, but like, yeah. So I wanted to talk about lockdowns and curfews now and like shit is going haywire since we last talked. Right. So Ontario's back to full lockdown, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. You said Alberta's in full lockdown. Quebec is now having a curfew with like $6,000 fines or something. We saw the cops in, in Quebec go and like rip people out of their home because there were six people in the in a home or some just it's like totally outrageous yeah. and no canadians seem to care if anything more of my friends are calling for more lockdowns than less um and you know i still just hear but the numbers are going up the numbers are going up and and it's just uh so so bizarre on top of that i'm wondering if you have any new information i did a live stream in end of November, early December about the like new strain we're hearing and like UK lockdowns. We can't let anyone in uh, if there's any updates from that, but it's just so awful. And I'm really starting to feel it in my own life, like not being able to do anything. The day is so repetitive. Every day is the same. I can't go anywhere. I can't even go shopping for things, right? Like it's terrible. But uh, what are yeah. your thoughts on this? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the new strain is in Canada. It's sweeping through Ontario now. So, uh, you know, the, the cork is off that genie bottle. Um, uh, you know, I, I just understand it's more contagious. Um, you know, the numbers I'm seeing from people I trust, uh, you know, I follow Dr. Kalen Langman, who is an ER doc and a PhD uh, researcher in Hamilton, uh, who's a hardcore libertarian. He's written multiple papers on uh, gun control and its relation to violence. And uh, Cole's note version is there's no correlation between uh, gun control legislation and violent crime. Um, either way, by the way, so whether you have gun control or not, uh, violent crime is is there. Um, yeah, he he supervises research papers, and so he he's put out a bunch of projections. He put out projections back in March that showed where he thinks that how how many deaths and how many cases we're going to get over the next few months, and he was bang on in every case with every province. And right now, he's he recently posted a uh, chart showing that uh, deaths are going to level out uh, mid around mid-April in Ontario and ICU admissions as well. And so they're going to continue to rise um, case counts probably till about mid-February, which means that we, you know, <laughs> given the, the statist logic that lockdowns are the best way to manage this, we can expect lockdowns to mid February, even though we've just 
in Alberta just completed 28 days of lockdown and then they just extended it another two weeks because the cases are still rising. Well, cases are going to continue to rise. And, right, like and the lockdown like, hasn't done jack squat here. Um, you yeah, know, maybe it slowed things down a little bit, but it's, you know, it's, it's like a pseudo lockdown, right? I mean, we can still where we're getting this is in our homes and stuff. Now, the other thing I will say is, um, yeah, the lockdown has put a real damper on things like Christmas, you know, like our family, we, we, we were scared. Like my wife was scared. Um, uh, my kids, um, like, you know, my, my son and my daughter, uh, um, well, actually all, all, all of our kids were coming from other homes basically to spend Christmas with us um and celebrate right and we had plans initially to spend time with you know both my daughters have significant others and and they have families that we'd like to get to know because it looks like these relationships are pretty serious we'd like to get to know the these families more and we can't because the you know the parents uh, are worried about violating these lockdown rules and right in alberta you know we could have gotten a total of probably ten thousand dollars worth of fines on christmas day because of what we were doing together as a family, uh, just basic family stuff. And we were scared of it. And I, you know, it felt like a police state, like we were trying to, you know, uh, trying, trying to be careful where we parked vehicles and not draw attention from our neighbors and do all this other things. I printed up a sign that said, um, we don't snitch on neighbors. Um, and I was going to hang it on my door, but then I thought, well, maybe that'll drag, draw too much attention to us and people will be like focused on all oh, these, these people, uh, you know, so I didn't even hang that up, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really troubling. Yeah. I, I had to do 14 day mandatory quarantine and right. I certainly didn't break it. No way. And yeah, no, I of course. certainly did not. But if, uh, it was very tempting, let's say, and, and uh, it was very, very difficult to not break it for 14 days. And I imagine other people who actually didn't break it oh, who for 14 days would have had a very, very difficult time literally being locked in a cage. Um, and it's still, it's just doesn't make any sense, like the actual reasoning as to why there's a mandatory uh, quarantine coming in from, from the U.S. Um, but... Yeah. And then it's also interesting because it's put a strain on some of my relationships as well, because they interpret the rules differently than I do, or they want to take like, and, and there's no proper guidance. So they don't actually know how to think about it. Right. So like, I'm trying to, at least like, you know, they, every person has a right to determine for themselves their level of safety, but there's yep. no rational guidance from the government or anywhere because it's all arbitrary lockdown safety measures it's none of it makes sense so it's hard right. for the average person to actually make sense of it as well right um, yeah and then like who am i to tell them something different than the government mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. it's like well no even based on what the government said at point x here's what sort of makes sense like, yeah well part of the problem is that that people are told what to think not how to think right and government gives them the rules and then people just want to well, what are the rules what do i have to do well, put a piece of cloth in front of my face. Now I'm safe. Okay, cool. I'll go outside and I'll cough my COVID particles, uh, yell my COVID particles through my fucking cheese cloth mask at, at people who aren't wearing a mask or something like that. Um, yeah. And this is a result, of course, of public education. You know, it's a result of people being completely dependent on government and not not thinking for themselves about what makes sense and how they can protect themselves and others. So, um, 
I mean, if this virus were serious, if it were like, say, 100% fatal um, and people were using the measures they're currently using to protect themselves from it, it, it would be laughable that this would pass, right? Um, this reliance on, on government rules. I, I mean, these, and there's never been a better time to be a manager or a part of the bureaucratic class. If you're the type of person that likes to sit in an office and make rules and have other people follow the rules because you're the smartest guy in the room all the time and you know what's best for people, um, then there's never been a better time to be alive. And we see this always at, at, at the organizational, at the corporate level, at the government level, um, you know, new rules coming out every, every few days, it seems about what we're supposed to do and the new procedure. Um, and, and they don't, there's no real world application to it. So for example, at one hospital, um, and I've told this story before, they have these isolation rooms for anyone that's COVID positive in the emerge. And, and they have someone hired, you know, bureaucrat hired someone. What, what we need is someone to screw, watch and supervise people donning and doffing PPE as they go into this room. So their one job is to watch people, make sure they're doing it properly to control infection, right? And if you do it wrong, you got to start all over again and make sure you do it right. That seems like hospitals would already have those procedures for more contagious things. Well, for sure. they they We always have had procedures for donning and doffing and all this stuff. Like everyone knows how to do it. It's kind of a joke, but, the, but they have this extra layer of protection of someone actually making sure you're doing it now, right? Someone's supervising you. But then if the person has to go to the, take a shit, they, the, the COVID patient, they just get up, walk out of the room past 10 workstations and 10 patients and go take a shit in the bathroom and come back. So, I mean, like, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, again, this is all about, well, to the letter, they're following the rules that some bureaucrat made, but, um, right. you know, this is uh, because te- people are taught what to think and what to do, not the rationale and the reasons behind different things, the principles underlying what there, there might be some sensible principles that these rules are based off of, but if you, you know, the rules are stupid. They don't, that you have to put the, the principle into the context of the situation for it to be effective. And the problem is that rules don't do that generally, right? They, they are just a widespread, someone from an ivory tower who's never actually seen that emerge has written a rule and people are following it to the letter because that's our job. It's to follow it to the letter. You know, I'll give you another example of just how, how these bureaucracies work. Like there are two things I'm judged on at work um, by, um, you know, our, our health services, the provincial health services. It's my paperwork, the document I, I do and the data fields I filled out and my shoot times. This is an ongoing thing. You, like um, we have a benchmark of we have to get out of the hall in 90 seconds from time of getting paged. Um, and and then, you know, there's there's various technological issues with that. It's the time we press we're en route and then the time we break what's called the geofence, which is, you know, a couple hundred meters past the station, we're actually driving towards the call, right? Well, sometimes we get stopped at a stoplight or sometimes it takes us a while to get for traffic to clear so we can get off the apron and into traffic. And so we, you know, the, the geofence doesn't get broken or whatever, but there's zero evidence that a shoot times matter, right? Like, and, and we're always far behind our service because 
we run three man ambulances. And so, you know, there's three opportunities to blow our shoot time. If one guy has to take a leak before we go out or something like that, that's probably a better thing than get, making sure we get out the door under 90 seconds. Like if we get out the door in a hundred seconds and the guy's got an empty bladder, that's probably better. Um, but you know, if I were running a business, let's say the most important thing might be customer satisfaction and how the customer feels about our service. And on that metric, we are the tops in the province on the metric of shoot times. We're the bottom of the problem, but no, no one there cares about customer satisfaction, about uh, whether we're saving lives, about any of the, the outpatient outcomes. There's a shoot time, a benchmark, and then there's our paperwork. Did we fill out all the data fields? And that's that's some bureaucrat somewhere. And th those are all bureaucratic and institutional things that make sense to those people based on the context that, you know, the mandates they're given by the government and different things like that. So, um, you know, th th this is, you know, how government works, unfortunately. It's just... Um, people that think they need to make rules and the rest of us begging them for rules because we think the rules protect us. Right. And that's what I was going to say. It's now this like negative feedback loop, right? Of people want these rules. They want to be told how to protect themselves, so to speak, and, and how to feel good that they're protecting others, right? It's not just, oh, they're not selfish. God forbid. They're not just locking themselves in a cage to protect themselves. They're doing it to protect others, right? Um, it's so absurd. I'm interested. What are your thoughts? Two things. One of what happened in Quebec with the cops, you know, um, there was that video of, um, the cops going in, some neighbor snitched on their, their neighbor and they went in and like ripped a family out of their home and arrested the, 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 the gentleman who owned the home or whatever. Um, and then also what's going to happen when Biden is president. Cause I'm planning to, to go to the U S on February 3rd, who knows what he'll try to do in terms of national mandates to, uh, fix this problem, so to speak. And it'll be interesting to see how the States feud with him. Right. Cause that's just common in the States generally, but what are your thoughts on either or both of those? Uh, yeah. What was the first thing again? Sorry. The cop, the cops oh, yeah, yeah, the thing in Gatineau. Yeah, no, I, that is a perfect... I mean, obviously, it's egregious that we see that state violence play out for something so stupid. That's one aspect. But I think the even more troubling aspect, because, I mean, we're used to seeing that sort of violence. As libertarians, we see that violence all the time. Every time there's an arrest for drugs or, you know, something, some victimless crime, uh, we we get enraged. And, you know, we, we seem to be the only ones getting enraged about it. So we've kind of become numb to the fact that no one else seems to care. So this is the, the different thing is here that everyone does seem to care about that and is seeing the gun in the room, so to speak, that undergirds government. But even more troubling than that to me is this culture of division uh, that occurs because their neighbors snitched on them. Okay. There's neighbors snitching on neighbors right now. And that is... Um, you know, that's like slave on slave violence. And I'm trying to remember who said it, but you know, like you don't, you don't, when you can, when your slaves, your fellow slaves are um, policing you, you don't need to have all sorts of um, top down control and, and yeah. police, you, you know, you can rely on that. And, um, and so we're, we're, this is ramping up the division. You know, if you, if you ever wanted to see, the political division more starkly you just look at who's in favor of lockdowns and who's out there marching against these lockdowns and, and mask mandates um, these are people that live in two completely different universes and hate each other 
um, immensely. And it's, it's getting ratcheted up. The volume's getting turned up because of these lockdowns. People are under more pressure. People are, you know, on the one hand, the people that favor lockdowns say that it's the fault of all these other other people that aren't following the rules that these things that they can't have a good life. The lockdown people, uh, anti-lockdown people are saying it's the, it's the fault of government and all the people that support these policies that they can't have the, their normal life. And both people are looking at their lives saying this sucks ass and it's your fault. And they're pointing directly at each other. Right. And, and you know, the longer these lockdowns last and the longer, the more we're going to see neighbor against neighbor and, and different things like that. Uh, and we're seeing this at all levels of society. Families are breaking up and not talking to each other. Uh, we're seeing this, you know, um, uh, ha happen in social media with, you know, social media platforms taking one side over the other um, and, and feeling the pressure to do so, um, you know, and <laughs> like it's, it's, it's real troubling. Um, and then what, what was the second thing you. Before we get to the second thing, what do you think yeah. of the curfews? Cause now. Well, uh, Quebec is in, has implemented a curfew and there's talks that uh, Lord Ford will do one as well in Ontario that we won't be because because my my 8 p.m. 830 p.m. walk is what's spreading COVID. Yeah, well, Brian Lilly uh, tweeted out that he has a good source close to Doug Ford or close to someone in their legislature that said that's not even on the agenda or something. So okay, rest well. easy. So I think that's a, a little bit, bit of good news. But yeah, I mean, th this is Back. horrific police state nonsense. I mean, um, <laughs> to, you know, and, and the 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 fines, the punishment, six thousand mm -hmm. dollars if you're caught outside your home. Uh, like it's just. It, people are accepting this, you know, the fact that there isn't some sort of violent insurrection is almost more troubling than, than the fact that, uh, man, I, I just feel like I, I, uh, might've flagged us and by saying that, or be accused of <laughs> be banned forever. Stoking. But no, yeah, I mean, working on my own website platform though. So, uh, so that's good. Yeah, no, that that is good, and I mean, it leads to a bigger, bigger thing. You know, someone said, "When, when would it be? When would you be morally justified committing treasonous, insurrectionist, seditious acts, uh, similar to what the American revolutionaries did? Uh, what would things have to be to do that?" And I think that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I don't have much of. A, I have a. I, I don't want to go there. But. Ayn Rand's answer is more so it's about what are you trying to build in its place, right? You right. have to have clear goals yes. for the better, more respectful of individual rights society you're planning to implement. You can't just be against something and claim that you have the right to attack it, so to speak, right? Yeah, well, the, 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 that that's a great point. And I mean, we saw this play out in, um, you know, in the storming of Capitol Hill, all these people storm in there as if they're going to be able to do something about government. And it's almost like they looked around for the, the plug to pull, to drain the swamp, couldn't find it. And they settled for some selfies. Right. And, you know, like what, what would you do if yeah, you took it, over the Capitol? And it was similar. It makes me think, I don't know much about it, but when they did the, like the thing in wall street of the 99%, the whatever, right. The right. And then they had no, they had no goals. <laughs> Congrats, right. you, you're occupying. Oh, yeah, occupying Wall Street. Yeah, and then they didn't do anything.
right? They yeah. have no demands, no goals, no vision. They don't know, but none of these people have any, they're just, they want to tear down the system, right? Um, but they don't have any positive. Yeah, and this is what we talk about. You know, if any of the listeners are more interested to hear my thoughts on this, go to the live stream um, I, I recorded with Keith Komar um, back in early January. Uh, uh, two days after the after the storming of the Capitol Hill, we recorded a live cast, and you know my point in there was basically this: these these people are doing essentially what we do every year with the political process, right? We we think that the the main goal is just to get in the halls of power. If we can just get in the halls of power, we can make the world a better place. We can make things better for the world. But <laughs> every year we get our guy in or whatever, and he looks around for the drain plug to drain the swamp, but can't find it. Yeah. That, and that's because as Solzhenitsyn says, the swamp is in our own hearts, right? The, the line between good and evil crosses is, is in every human, not in the government. It's right here. And so it has to start with looking in the mirror, uh, holding yourself accountable to, to your own standards and principles and, and not allowing people into your life, you know, holding your relationships accountable to that as well. Um, that's how you can make a big difference, I think. And and this idea that, uh, you know, if we can just win enough votes and get into that power, if we can just overcome all these obstacles, get old Tim Moen or Maxime Bernier into parliament, then everything will be good. No, don't rely on that. You got to take action in your own life. And that that was, um, you know, what, what are you building, right? Um, I think that's a good way of putting it. You know, you, you can't just run in there because, and there was an interesting um, video from this guy that had um, had witnessed the girl who got shot, he was there, and and he you could literally see his heart breaking in real time as he was like, these people, they don't represent they don't represent Democrats, Independents, or Republicans. They they don't even care about us. They they'll kill us. Like he's just coming to this realization now. It's a big epiphany, and so part of me is like, "Are you on crack, kid? Like, how did you not know that the government is forced? That the, of course they don't care about you. Of course they laugh at you and then uh, cower from you. Like the, these people do not care about you. Trump does not care about you. N nobody does in in the halls of power. And um, this, you know, we, we've been preaching this for years. Um, so, but then part of me is like, okay, well, there's, there's people are coming to this kind of red pill moment of seeing the system for what it is. Now the danger is they're going to go down either the left wing or right wing populist route and think that um, what we need is a strong daddy or a strong mummy in power to fix everything for us. Again, those strong mummies and daddies don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you. Um, you know, and, and so the, the revolution has to start in our own lives, in our own personal lives. We have to build something great in our own lives and have to influence others and spread that to others. And, and that's how we get change. That's the only way we're going to get the kind of change we want to see. We can't do it um, by fighting each other in the streets and, and tearing things down um, and having no idea how to rebuild them. So, Speaking of a strong daddy, so to speak, I guess it's a strong mommy. I wanted to, the last question. Are you going to be a father? About, was about Biden uh, coming into power and mm. what he'll try and do in the States. He's already talked multiple times about a national mask mandate. 
Um, what do you think? I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't close the borders to Canada because I still want to escape to the U.S. in a couple weeks after he takes power. But what do you think he'll try and do quickly, briefly? And um, also, how do you think it'll go with the states fighting back, especially the Republican states? Uh, I, I think you're going to see an unprecedented um, <laughs> gra grasping of power. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's talked about 100 days of mask use. Um, look, he, he has never had, never has someone with his establishment credentials had a stronger mandate and support than him. If you're against anything, if you have any skepticism towards what Biden's doing, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're a white nationalist, you're an insurrectionist, you're seditious, you're a treasonous. I mean, the, the groundwork has been laid, um, you know, thanks in part to Trump and his supporters, I'm sorry to say, I mean, you know, as Machiavelli says, if you, if your enemy has been strengthened and your side has been weakened by what you did, you have failed miserably. And I'm sorry to say Trump has failed miserably because his enemies are stronger than ever. The left is stronger than ever and more motivated and have a bigger mandate now in this whole storming of the Capitol Hill. Of course, that helped the aid and abet the enemy. Um, so now Trump brought Biden is set up to, you know, I expect to see elements of the Great Reset implemented into his Build Back plan. I expect to see draconian measures. I expect to see government more entwined in our lives. I expect to see more people dependent on government. And I also expect to see a greater divide. I expect that the right wing will become more incensed, more furious, more angry, do stupid, stupid shit to express their anger and push back. And and for further minimize and, and um, you know, it's just, it's not going to be good. So um, yeah, I mean, now's the time for libertarians and objectivists people, rational thinkers to, to put the pedal down and say, look, you don't have to go off into this right-wing populism. Um, we need a strong daddy. We need, you know, uh, socialize this and that national, we need to nationalize Facebook type, thing and we don't need to give the government any more power we need to embrace liberty and we need to sh demonstrate to these people who have now had their heart broken by the system how their dad their own daddy donald trump has broken their hearts um we need to be there we need to be a soft place for them to land we can't be harsh on them and we have to explain to them and offer some i guess love i uh, to, to people that um you know i think to, to use an old cliche, love love is the answer here in a lot of ways. And so part of what I'm hoping to do this year is to be a little bit more loving towards people. For love. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Tim. Hopefully I make it into the U.S. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, man.